Hey everybody, it's Brian, breaking into the top of the show to let you know that we have recently launched a Patreon. For those of you who follow me on social media or uh, know me personally, you probably know that I was recently laid off from my job. Uh, between that and the fact that we don't actually run advertisements on RIYL means that uh, we are basically losing money every time we put a show out there. Uh, if you like the show, if you're if you're a fan, if you've been listening for a while, please consider supporting us. Even even a dollar per episode will help. I will be putting all the information up on our Tumblr page and various other social media platforms. So uh, please, uh, please, please. Please consider supporting us. This is um, we, we haven't asked for money in the past, and this is we, we kind of need this to keep things going. Um, we've got some hosting fees, but more importantly, we pay uh, Brian Thompson to do the wonderful job of editing that he does every single week. Uh, so please, uh, please consider supporting. Would be very much appreciated. Thanks to everybody who has supported us thus far. In the meantime, uh, please enjoy this wonderful episode of RIYL. It's funny, though, because, you know, obviously there's two or three uh, really large studios over there and then Kaufman Astoria. How did this, how did this kind of become a sort of a hotbed for, for studios? Uh, <laughs> I, you have no idea? I, it isn't anymore. Well, well, yeah, but relatively. The I mean, moved in, it ain't no yeah, hotbed. But yeah. It's, uh, how did it become the lukewarm bed yeah, that it is now? more like the oyster bed. Yeah. It's the oyster bed. I have no idea. I mean, we moved here because my wife was the uh, New York State Film Commissioner for 20 years, appointed by both Republican and Democratic governors. She um, had suggested that we look at Long Island City and buy a building here. We had one on uh, on 50th and 9th in Manhattan, and uh, we wanted to sell that and move to uh, an even shittier neighborhood, (laughs) which we have found. Well, and it's it's up and coming. Queens loves us. Yeah. No, I'm joking. It's a great. We love it here. We love it. And um, Queens is. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, Queens people, museums, and movie theater. They all come here and want to visit Tromaville. So how, how did the um, how did the the studio start to come together in the first place? Um, well, it never really. Troma <laughs> never had okay. come together. Okay. Um, Insofar as it's together, how did it come uh, together? Well, um, after uh, Yale University. Um, Michael and I uh, thought it would be a good idea to make uh, low-budget movies in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bought into the auteur theory of uh, filmmaking. We wanted to control uh, the movies. We wanted to uh, make it the director's event. And um, I speak French. I had read all the, uh, the two or three years of Cahiers de Cinema. And, and when I was at Yale, they were written by people like uh, Godard and mm-hmm. Chabrol and and uh, you know who were just getting into their own career they were journalists and uh, so i became uh, brainwashed by that stupid stupid auteur theory and uh, didn't go to city of angels did not go to los angeles and uh, we stupidly thought if we would create a movie studio where we'd have the privilege of making a movie uh, maybe once or twice a year and perhaps give other new visionary movies of the future a chance to be made uh, we might um, 
leave some sort of footprint on mm-hmm. the uh, countryside of uh, the art world. Do you feel like it was ultimately a bad idea that you didn't move out to California to make movies? Well, from the point of view of eating and yeah. uh, having a roof over our head, it was yeah. the stupidest idea we could have uh, uh, could have made uh, because Michael is brilliant and I've got a big mouth um, and the people in Los Angeles are horrible and stupid and I know we could have made our way, uh, but uh, we stayed here instead and uh, we made a different kind of way. We made The Toxic Avenger and Class of Newcomb High and Return to Return to Newcomb High, Volume 2 of the Return to Newcomb High uh, epic movies so. but you weren't you weren't looking to get swallowed up by a big studio or anything at we have no point. we still don't want to yeah. be swallowed up we've refused a number of uh, offers we own about a thousand movies and we own hundreds and hundreds and thousands of short pieces and tv programs and uh, but uh, we we want to keep independent you know i'm being slightly facetious yeah. but uh, but um, nonetheless uh, over our 42 years of existence uh, Troma has uh, produced a number of uh, very talented uh, young people who have been able to navigate the corridors of power in uh, Los Angeles and have become very successful. Eli Roth, James Gunn worked here, Mm -hmm. wrote Tromeo and Juliet. Samuel Jackson's first movie is Death by Temptation, a movie that wouldn't have been made without us um, putting in the money. All black people except for Michael and me. Not so sure about me. Uh, But the point is, uh, long before... uh, the um, uh, hashtag uh, Oscar So White movement came around with the wild and crazy revolutionaries like Will Smith, who was full of shit. Before they started uh, this, uh, we we were financing movies, mm-hmm. and they weren't bullshit uh, movies with black people dancing around with uh, tap, you know, doing all the bullshit that uh, supposed yep. to be uh, so stereotypical. Death by Temptation is a real movie. It doesn't matter what color you are: black, green, red, blue. It's a real movie, and it just happens to be uh, the people in it are all black, but they're not uh, full of hatred. They're not full of stupidity. They're not stereotypes. No, not at all. They're, bour- they're very bourgeois, if anything else, uh, which, was a, which in its day, in the 1989, was pretty, uh, pretty, vision- pretty revolutionary and visionary and, and risky. When you look at, at people who've, who've come through and are, are you know, mentioned... Trey Gunn, Parker and Matt Stone. Yeah. Nobody would touch their uh, movie. They made a movie. They hadn't finished it. Cannibal the yeah. Musical. Yeah. They had made it uh, in the process of being kicked out of their uh, Colorado Col- uh, University. And uh, we saw the unfinished version. We thought it was hilarious. But uh, none of these uh, purveyors of culture uh, out in the uh, movie industry thought it was uh, worthwhile. They didn't get it. Uh, we did, and uh, that's what launched. Uh, you know, we we distributed it. We finished. We we had the uh, Trey and Matt uh, uh, film and the uh, a new beginning, uh, which was a little more trauma esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've been very nice to us. They acted in uh, after Cannibal the Musical. They played the hermaphrodite couple in Terra Firmer. Trey is in Tales from the Crapper, and, and in fact auditioned. He tried out. He tried his. Um, um, uh, that uh, comedy routine. Are you editing this? I hope. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, somebody uh, will. The, uh, the, uh, the aristocrats. Oh, yeah. He, he tried the, uh, in yeah. Tales from the Crapper, Trey Parker uh, performs his aristocrats routine yeah. long before that uh, that um, documentary came out. And uh, they've done other nice things for us. Uh, they've been great. And James Gunn certainly has been nice. He, he keeps us, uh, uh, you know, he keeps promoting us and putting me in his movies. He and, made a cameo uh, and. Yeah, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Galaxy yeah. I was in there, uh, the uncredited uh, two-second uh, yeah. prisoner number two. 
So uh, they have uh, our alumni, Eli Ross, been terrific. In fact, he even did the uh, he did the uh, blood sucking freaks commentary uh, commentary track. John G. Avelson, who directed Rocky and uh, 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 Karate Kids, uh, one of my first bosses, he uh, also has been very uh, helpful to Troma and uh, over the years. Has you know when when you look at, at the people who've come through and they're uh, you know to some degree now making success on their own terms or at least making you know films similar to what they wanted to make is it do, do you think the studio ship system has shifted at all is it is it a little easier to make the films that people want to make uh, i majored in chinese studies at yale university <laughs> the big takeaway for me for me was taoism a chuang a lao tzu not in that order uh, lao tzu wrote the, the Tao de ching which uh, mm-hmm. suggests that uh, it's a dualistic universe yin and yang uh, sure you don't have good and evil. You can't have one without the other. Uh, the oyster gets a piece of sand stuck in its asshole. Very painful, but it produces this magnificent uh, pearl, this perfect, beautiful pearl. Uh, I feel the same way about where the history of uh, our uh, media has gone. Uh, it's uh, a, a, The digital revolution has democratized the making of uh, yep. cinema so that anybody can make a movie. You don't. There's no excuse anymore. You don't even need money, really. Uh, you can make. Uh, we have made. Uh, we've produced some. I haven't directed them, uh, but we've produced a couple of movies. Uh, Mr. Bricks, uh, heavy metal murder musical, uh, which Travis Campbell wrote and directed. Who's in the editing room, right? The Trauma editing room. Uh, we uh, made. We produced uh, Father's Day, um, uh, which was about twenty thousand bucks. So uh, you can make movies for nothing, pretty much. But um, how do you live off of them? Because mm. the uh, last 42 years has seen the uh, disappearance of the fairness doctrine, the doctrine that required uh, both sides, you know, yeah. not just five hours of uh, Hannity and Rush, Ma- yeah. Rush uh, whatever his name is, Rush Limbaugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got rid of the, um, the uh, consent decree of 1948, uh, which meant that all the movie theaters could be... Uh, the, the consent decree forbid the movie theaters to be owned by the Studios. media conglomerates yeah. and uh, but uh, since that when that went away of course now the uh, the uh, there's only two giant chains that control pretty much the whole market uh, and uh, even if they don't all the theaters are under uh, the thumb of the four or five giant devil worshipping international media conglomerates which have also been uh, due to the fact that the financial syndication rule was done away with uh, by Clinton um, uh, who Michael Moore called the uh, greatest Republican president we've ever had. When that went away, that meant there would be uh, less d- diversity on television. Mm. It meant that the uh, giant networks and, or conglomerates uh, could uh, then become vertically integrated. It meant that the uh, NBC and Comcast Universal, whatever that thing is called, Comcast Universal, NBC, blah blah blah, it, you know, whatever these gargantuan uh, things are called, they yeah. can own they can own the content, which mm. didn't. Uh, it also meant that the rule financial syndication rule required the networks to program a third of their uh, they call it content I, I prefer to call it art or whatever it is they 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 were required to to exhibit a third of their um, programming from inter uh, independent sources from independent sources so trauma movies were on tv in the <laughs> 80s 90s uh, but when financial syndication rule went away at uh, that uh, killed it and that's why you won't find any independent movie studios that are more than a few years old. There are none. Troma's the only one that's 42 years old. There are some of the same crooks still around who uh, just open and close uh, uh, companies every 10 minutes. And um, uh, there's a couple that are, uh, you know, Lionsgate is doing very well. That's an independent company, and they seem to have a, a good, uh, you know, they're making some great mm-hmm. movies. And But on the other hand, they are partners with the... Uh, 
conglomerates too. So I don't know of any independent movie studios that have survived as long as we have, or even you—you you, you'd be hard pressed to find an independent movie studio surviving for five years. And it's not their fault. It's not that they're making bad movies. It's that the system, uh, the playing field, is totally—it's—it's uh, um, it's impossible. It's slanted in the direction of the. Uh, cartel that runs the uh, media industry it's impossible to uh, there's no level playing field the only thing that's left the only democratic medium that's left is um the um the uh, net neutrality on the internet which permits uh troma's website to get uh, half a million uh, people per month if we have something that the public wants to see the public will come if uh, Walt Disney has something that the public uh, doesn't want to see, they'll skip it. It's a level playing field for the most part. Rupert Murdoch tried to colonize it with uh, by buying a lot of uh, MySpaces and things like that. But as you know, uh, colonization uh, doesn't work. Just uh, just ask the French. Mm. Uh, so so uh, the, the uh, final nail in the coffin for independent thought, diversity, and content. Speaking of uh, Oscars, so white. Uh, is that uh, the, um, the public domain has virtually disappeared? Public domain yeah. is uh, is uh, was a wonderful resource for the public, for the for the consumers. Jefferson said that the uh, artist would enjoy fourteen years of uh, of benefit from his, her, or its work, and now that has been corrupted to infinite uh, number of years. Disney and Clinton conspired to uh, and hundreds of millions of uh, dollars of lobbying conspired to create the uh, Millennium Copyright Act, which uh, meant that Mickey Mouse would be forever in the hands of Disney, which meant that uh, that um, everything there would be no basically be no more public domain so that there will never be a, um, a Jewish Mickey Mouse or a gay Mickey Mouse or a black Mickey Mouse or a trauma Mickey Mouse. If Shakespeare had lived today, he'd have his rosy red ass suit off because he took a, he took a play that was Italian and uh, made Romeo and Juliet out of it. And um, there would be no Shakespearean Romeo and Juliet today where we're living, where Clinton and the... Uh, and the the, 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 the uh, lobbyists from Disney, et cetera, living back in Shakespeare's day. There'd be no Prokofiev's uh, Romeo and Juliet. There'd be no Troma's Tromeo and Juliet. There might be no James Gunn and no Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> so so uh, you shouldn't laugh. It's a serious thing. The public domain is the best thing yeah. that ever existed. And, and it's a disgrace that it's gone. It's a pity. The, the artists, in fact, the artists don't even have control of it. Most of the big companies control everything. Right, uh, Warner's was yeah. sued many times to disgorge even Happy Birthday, a lousy fourteen million a year. They, they, they just because you know they finally disgorged yeah. it. But uh, you know, for how how shitty is that? So the point is, we're living in an age of media consolidation, an age of media elitism, an age of. Uh, basically homogenization and then the nerve of will smith the, the someone who's in the shittiest situation comedies the crap of all time uh, the worst science fiction movie that ever was made this guy is going to uh, boycott the oscars it has nothing to do with the oscars it has to do the body is ill the body of american and international media is cancerous it's sick it is dying and unless uh, the, the Fairness Doctrine comes back or the uh, Consent Decree of 1948 or the Financial Syndication Rule or uh, public domain and unless net neutrality is preserved, and right now there are phone companies and uh, uh, the Motion Picture Association of America 
All the big studios are down in Washington 24-7 lobbying to get rid of net neutrality so they can have their own super highway for their websites, and the rest of us will be on a bumpy, shitty road that buffers forever, and we'll be dead. Uh, figuratively, mentally, and spiritually. We'll be living in an age of, uh, of a brave new world and uh, 1984. Rupert, you know, they wonder, why are, why are we... Uh, Oscar's so white, right? What, of course, you've got 40% of the industry controlled by a 92-year-old senile guy, Viacom, right, who's probably uh, uh, a white guy, probably racist, certainly got some, probably does not have the healthiest view of women. Uh, And then you got the other one, Fox, controlled by an 80-year-old white, uh, probably sexist, probably racist uh, old man. 40% is, and those, and then the other ones, uh, the Disney's and uh, the other one, uh, Comcast, forget it. Of course it's going to be... uh, there's going to be no uh, diversity until you bring back the uh, the elements I suggest. There will, there will, it's impossible to have diversity. So, so what has you can have a lot of Uncle Toms, you can have a lot of bobbing heads, a lot of blowing, a lot of fellatio, a lot of ass licking, and you you'll get a few decent people like Trey Parker and Matt yeah. Stone. You'll get decent people like James Gunn, Eli Roth. There are good people in the mainstream, but even they are having a hard time. Right? Soderbergh says he doesn't want to make movies anymore. Uh, Spielberg said he almost couldn't make Lincoln. Uh, you know, so so look at the look at the people running this thing. It's terrible. So you know you 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 mentioned that you, that you, that Troma is far and away the you know the longest lived independent studio and what has the secret is it just stubbornness is that what's kept you independent over the years the only not- the only thing that's kept us going is we make good movies yeah we make good movies they're entertaining they've got something to say there's uh, there's uh, some substance. Uh, and uh, we have a, a great fan base who take make the effort. They're very active, and they make the effort to find our movies and promote our movies. In fact, our fans around the world are one of the main reasons that our movies are seen, because they go to the movie theaters, at least in this country, mm-hmm. and they demand uh, that our movies get on screen. So if I direct a movie, we can get a couple of hundred uh, screens around the country, not all at once, one by one by one by one by one by one. Uh, for the most part, and um, it's thanks to our fans. Uh, uh, we have we we have a very small company here. We have about ten yeah. employees maximum, uh, maybe less than ten, maybe fewer than uh, about ten that are paid. And um, th- but we have about fifty thousand uh, yeah. very active fans. Uh, we've probably got hundreds of thousands of inactive fans, but we've probably got about fifty thousand who actually work and spread the word and uh, retweet and uh, post on uh, Facebook yeah. and uh, let their local theaters know and uh, ask film festivals to play our movies. And so it's really all thanks to our fans that uh, Troma continues to um, be around. And it's not just our fans, mind you, uh, uh, not just our fans. Also, our air conditioners have been very, uh, mm-hmm. very useful to just us. Just keeping it cool around the yeah, film is the most cool, important. Uh, keeping yeah. my head from exploding. It, uh, well, a few exploding heads here and there probably <laughs> yeah, helped you guys true. along the way. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it must have been it must have been a little bit of a perfect storm, though, because obviously, you know, a lot of people are putting good things out in the world and not necessarily having success from it. Did did the studio also kind of sort of come around at the right time as well? Did Troma yeah. come around at the right time? Yeah. I think we got lucky. I think we started in the 70s. I started making movies at Yale in the late 60s. Um, but I think we got lucky in that there was competition in the mm. 70s. If you had 
a movie that was, if you made a movie that was. Perf- Is he going to be okay? That's our sound department. <laughs> uh, we're working on Return to Return to Newcomb High, Volume Two, the second half of my um, of my. Uh, I, hope the old, I hope you're that's in the his old well. age. That's the old age home. Uh, we, we've got a scene in an old age home. So, um, uh, sorry, senior citizen home. Uh, uh, unlike the academy, um, which is ramp with uh, ageism um, and jism. Uh, so uh, we um, got lucky when we started Troma in that uh, we could uh, make a good movie and the theaters wanted it. There were many uh, different chains, family-owned many of them, that were all over the country, theater chains, and they were competing. If they had something uh, like the Toxic Avenger or Tromeo and Juliet or Class of Newcomb High, they wanted it. They would make money for them. And they'd shit on us because we would get 30%, whereas the majors would get 90%. The theaters would give us away. Not only did our movies like uh, uh, Death by Temptation and Cannibal the Musical, not only did they... Uh, not only did they put seats uh, behinds in the seats, mm-hmm. but they sold a shitload of uh, concession, yeah. uh, you know, popcorn and junk food, uh, and uh, the theaters get 100% of that. So uh, we were a pretty good deal for them. But then when the theaters all consolidated and became uh, peons of the uh, giant conglomerates, uh, that kept uh, many, uh, most of the independent studios out of the theaters. The only reason we get any kind of theatrical distribution, and it's usually only if I direct a movie, is that the Troma fans are very eager to see our movies on a big screen. And we make the movies that Michael Hurst and I make are made for the big screen. There's uh, many, many... uh, people on fra- in the frame and there's all sorts of action behind the in the background there's a lot of uh, interesting people might call it shtick but uh, whilst the main characters uh, are having uh, their scenes there's very often some uh, subsidiary action going on in the background which you might not see on uh, a small screen it's a little bit of the, the mad ma- magazine mentality of just uh, sticking no as much much as you can in there uh, you hit it right yeah. on the head mad magazine is a huge influence on uh, the trauma of as is uh, as is stanley and mm-hmm. uh, spider-man as is uh, the great auteur directors chaplin keaton preston sturgis renoir uh, um, Fritz Lang, uh, Samuel Fuller, etc. Has has that has that uh, mentality shifted at all though? As people are consuming films in a different way, as you know, more people are watching them on devices or on the back of airplane seats. Well, uh, as far as trauma goes, uh, we uh, have a, a great uh, audience of uh, file sharers. Mm-hmm. So we're you know, I go to Italy and people stop me in the street. We haven't had distribution in Italy for th- twenty years. But people recognize me because of our movies, because they get them. Yeah. They can't get them through distribution, so they get them through file sharing. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, when it comes to Asia and uh, Africa, not only do they file share, but there they bootleg it. There they're selling our movies. The Chinese elite, the generals who own the DVD plants and who own the uh, the uh, streaming services, uh, they're making money off our movies. Uh, so a big fuck you to China. And then the same with Africa, even though I devoted a year of my life to uh, the country of Chad, um, uh, fuck them, fuck them. I don't mind if there's file sharing, but if people are making money off our movies, same with India, they make money off our movies, but they um, give us nothing. So uh, I don't mind file sharing. That's great. People should share art. And I've written uh, six books. Uh, the themes of uh, of uh, sharing art are quite, especially in my last book, which is 
sell your own damn movie. Uh, I, I promote file sharing and think it's a good thing. You don't mind if it's free. You just mind if other people are making money off of it. If people are selling it, yeah. they should give us a piece of it. Yeah. But if they're sharing it, no problem. I don't. Many fat, pimply teenagers uh, in the basement of their mother's home watching our movies and sharing them. I'm all for that. We wouldn't be around probably because of that. I, I guess what, I, I guess mean, I'm sorry we wouldn't be around without the file yeah. sharing the file sharing in fact we just put up 300 of our movies plus uh, hundreds of short pieces and uh, uh, political statements uh, we just put up a, a, a video about uh, uh, Oscar so white on the uh, yeah. trauma movies channel it's all free trauma movies all free you don't pay a penny for them that, that and that's sort of what I what, what I was, was to thank our fans to thank our fans because yeah. we we did we started that on our we started the trauma movies for free on our uh, 40th anniversary to thank our fans for helping us because you, you had mentioned the the YouTube videos and and you are doing some some work on the digital front and I, I guess what I was wondering earlier is you know the the way obviously the way people are consuming movies is is different for you know a lot of consumers right now it's not necessarily the first run in the theater and I'm just wondering if if that at all has shifted the way that you produce movies. Well, again, the movies that. Uh Michael and I produce ourselves yeah. uh, the ones that I direct those are made for the big screen yeah. so tough shit they're going to have to be on the big screen yeah. <laughs> and, and unfortunately there are fewer and fewer big screens available to uh, the films that we make but most of the films that we distribute I think are made by other directors who I don't think give a give a pig's ass for uh, whether it's in a theater I think they'd like it but mm-hmm. it's impossible the theaters are very hard and also uh, we get uh, Return to Newcomb High Volume 1 the first half of my Sistine Chapel uh, that movie for Return to Newcomb High played in one theater in New York mm. how much ca- how, how much can we spend on advertising for one theater when uh, the uh, the masterpiece Fantastic Four uh, is playing in uh, 200 New York theaters. They can advertise because they can advertise the you know we, they can advertise it against 200 uh, theaters. Even though it's a shit movie, and even though Return to Newcomb High is a really good movie, we could only get one theater. It was a good theater, but how much can we spend on advertising for one theater? And then, by the way, even if we do uh, get a holdover number, which we do. Um, poultry Geist Poultry Geist Night of the Chicken Dead was the number one screen in the country hmm. when it opened it beat out uh, Speed Racer we only had one theater that weekend and that was in New York but it was the highest grossing theater in the country uh, what happened we got kicked out uh, two weeks later by uh, Indiana Jones Skullfucker mm-hmm. because they had to have every screen they couldn't let us have even one shitty little screen they had to have every little screen and the Tribeca fucking scumbag uh, film festival wouldn't even let us put up our poster. We came in after the Tribeca Scumbag Film Festival. Mm-hmm. They, we put up our poster in the movie theater. You know, the the week before they made us take it down. They wouldn't even let us put the poster up. That's how nice the the Tribeca Film Festival is to independent filmmakers, right? Mm. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? So I dressed up in a chicken suit, a Colonel Cluck suit, and I handed the leaflets out in front of the uh, Tribeca Theater. The uh, the uh, Cinema Village. The people at the Cinema Village are very nice, but uh, you know what a nasty thing that is. A, yeah. a film festival supposedly devoted to independent art. A, a film festival supposedly devoted to New York City, of which I have been a uh, tax-paying, real estate-owning uh, um, um, employer and filmmaker for. Um, the, I've been alive for seventy, but I've been paying uh, taxes here for more than fifty years. 
and um, and and employing people who you've seen them here. Where mm-hmm. would they be if they weren't at Troma, right? Uh, right, you'd be seeing God them in the subway. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, busking, <laughs> they'd be buskers. Or, oh God, no, you've seen them. Who knows where they'd be? They no, seem I'm very joking. nice. I'm being facetious. And very, very capable. But the point people. is, um, you'd think that the Tribeca Festival yep. might cut cut an independent filmmaker whose movie is coming into that theater uh, the next week. You'd think they might be able mm-hmm. to find space in a 12 screen uh, movie theater uh, to put up in the gigantic lobby. To put up uh, a, a poster, a theatrical movie poster for Poultry Guys, Night of the Chicken Dead. Oh, and of course, uh, a couple of years later, um, um, they uh, Tribeca takes a movie called Zombiever. Our movie was about zombie chickens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, their movie yeah. was about zombie beavers, right? Uh, but our movie had a, had uh, originality, and uh, you know, Tribeca was afraid of it. So now, uh, at least that's my opinion. And now, oh, they didn't understand it. They say they usually say something like, "We don't understand it." So, um, although I, it was over their heads, we didn't submit it actually. So I, I can't blame them for not taking it. But but uh, they do take Zombiever uh, two years later. There's been nothing. Our 40th year came here in New York. Troma's 40th year. I didn't see anything mentioned in any publications, hmm. whether it be Queens where we are, yeah. whether it be uh, New York Times, uh, New Yorker. Um, not one peep in any mainstream media except the Village Voice did a big piece. Uh, uh, they did a cover story, but we're pretty much, uh, you know, if, if we don't, if you don't advertise and you're not, uh, um, hmm. uh, you know, doing a sex tape like uh, Kim Kardashian, uh, you don't get a lot of attention. And uh, I'm sure your sex tape would get a lot of attention. Yeah, but I don't want to do a sex tape. It's too disgusting. But uh, the Museum of Modern Art yeah. did select uh, Return to Newcomb High for their um, uh, Contenders series. Uh, Return to Newcomb High was in a series of what the Museum of Modern Art in New York calls the best movies from around the world. Their words, not mine, although I agree with it. Um, the, the Return to Newcomb High was in with the Spielberg, uh, mm. his new movie with um, Coen Brothers, Scorsese's uh, Wolf of Wall Street, Sofia Coppola's movie, that uh, boring movie that won the... Uh, Lost can- in Translation? Uh, no, 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 oh. no, no, I didn't mean Coppola's movie. I didn't see it. I didn't mean that was boring, although it probably was. But, but no, I meant the boring movie from Cannes about Blue is the... It was a lesbianic movie that managed to be boring. Oh, it won yeah. the Cannes Prize. Yeah, yeah, something Blue color. Was the warmest color. color yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was, yeah. there's Return to Newcomb High, selected by Museum yeah. of Modern Art. Yet not one, uh, they were the only ones who made any kind of uh, uh, mainstream attention to Choma's 40th year. Are they, are, are they just, are they afraid to be associated with something that's seen as being low art? No, it's not low art. The, the, uh, we get good reviews. Yeah. Uh, the critics always give us good reviews. The, the critics that have a little bit of, uh, his, uh, of knowledge of cinema, uh, I mean, if you consider New York Times critics... Uh, Pretty good critics. Sure. They always. We've never yeah. had a bad review in the New York Times. But uh, I didn't. I did, and I didn't mean Lord is, Lord is a slight. Uh, no, it's they. They can't gain yeah. anything by it. Yeah. They can't gain advertising because we have no money. Um, they'd rather promote uh, Twenty Four Days Later, which is Twentieth Century Fox. Uh, you know, from uh, you know, that's the zombie movie. Yeah. That's zombie. They don't talk about George Romero in the article. They don't. Hey, the New Yorker. Your favorite magazine just did a 
not just the New Yorker did an in-depth piece on Hayao Miyazaki, yeah. the animator, the greatest animator in the world. Yeah, there's a Totoro poster Who behind me. Who discovered the fucker? Yeah. We did. We did. We brought him to America. We brought my to- yeah. we brought my neighbor Totoro here uh, uh, before anybody. And uh, according to the New Yorker, uh, Harvey Weinstein discovered uh, my uh, discovered Miyazaki. He imported uh, Spirited Away. Whereas, look it up. You can look it up. Yeah. Uh, as uh, Kim Kardashian says, uh, my neighbor Totoro was distributed uh, by Troma Entertainment. Yeah, there's a logo, and we lost there's a logo at the bottom of the uh, bottom of the poster. Yeah, over there. We, yeah. and and we took a risk. Nobody yeah. ever heard of the bastard, and we're the ones who brought him here. And then what happens? Uh, Disney buys the whole library. We st- and our term was still uh, uh, valid. Uh, just before we're getting ready to perhaps make a profit by selling my neighbor Totoro to television, they come out with a big press release that they've bought everything, and they use the my Totoro, my neighbor Totoro artwork in their press release. They didn't own the rights to. to hmm. We still had another year to run, but uh, no television uh, network would uh, talk to us. They said Disney owns it. Disney owns it. So the year went by, and we uh, eating. Uh, we're uh, sucking hind tit as usual. So how did how did but you see how the media yeah. works right? Yeah. It's it's like the Liberty Valance, uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance. When the legend becomes the uh, print the, the, yeah, print the legend. legend yeah. So Harvey Weinstein, congratulations to Harvey Weinstein who <laughs> brought the Hayao Miyazaki to these sacred shores. How, how did how did Troma get into the distribution business? Was did you just need to diversify to survive? We made three movies um, uh, and uh, managed not to return a penny on we made the only X-rated movie Sugar Cookies which today would be a PG-13 mm-hmm. well I think we've made the only money losing uh, X-rated movie called oh. Sugar Cookies Congratulations. it's very good but we managed to create the only, <laughs> uh, and That's partly something. because the distributor was either crooked or incompetent or both yeah. and that was kind of wh- where we stood uh, and uh, so we Michael and I decided we better uh, go into our own distribution uh, I'm very, uh, um, I'm very much influenced by Roger Corman's career, and when I was at Yale, I saw his movies, mm. and they were low budget, well written, well acted, uh, politically interesting, uh, culturally interesting. So um, he was distributing his own damn movies. So uh, we made a movie, a uh, couple of movies that we distributed ourselves, and uh, American uh, Multi Cinema, which is now uh, part of one of the two giant chains yeah. here. They had a lot of new screens, and they were very happy to uh, to play our movies and uh, sell popcorn. So uh, we did very well for about 20 years in the theatrical area. We'd make 135-millimeter prints right off the bat before we even uh, tested because uh, the, the movies were good that we made, and uh, the theaters had room for them. And then once the theaters and the... The studios uh, got, you know, once those rules that I mentioned, the anti-monopoly rules went away, um, the, uh, the, the that hurt the independent movie mm-hmm. studios. When we began, there were probably 30 independent movie studios, all well-established, all uh, doing well. And now there's only trauma. So you you also had to do a lot at the same time. You, you also had to kind of diversify just be, so that if you, you know, if if one project did go bad, it wouldn't be the end of the company. I mean, there's probably a lot of stories out there of studios that put everything behind one film. It tanked and they just sort of went away. Well, that was true. Uh, there were waves of, um, of people who had raised money on Wall Street. And uh, at the Cannes Film Festival, they would take 30 pages of advertising or whatever and have big parties. And, yeah. uh, but, but they weren't filmmakers. They were um, used car salesmen or mm. stockbrokers or 
uh, there were very few people who cared about the movies. And our philosophy was uh, keep the um, make the movies about something that we cared about. In the case of Return to Return to Newcomb High, Volume Two, uh, we uh, are concerned about uh, the um, food that young people are eating, among other things. Um, uh, make a movie that's low budget, so you don't risk the whole uh, company on one movie. Yeah. Fox, you know, Fox did go bankrupt, uh, uh, risking a lot of money on Cleopatra with Liz Taylor and Richard Burton. Although that's an excellent movie, uh, they uh, directed by. Uh, Cuker or somebody. He's a good director. No, Mankiewicz. Mankiewicz. Mm. It's a wonderful film. But um, they went bust. <laughs> One movie. They, 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 ego. Hoovers. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. So we've never done that. We've never, um, you know, we don't go out to the clubs or any of that stuff, uh, you know, and throw $100 bills around. Or I, I you know, I, I'm, I piss people off, but I don't need to go to some stupid dance club to piss people off. I can do that <laughs> very easily, just in the New York subway. Uh, so um, we, we've we've been careful. We've never been into debt. We don't uh, go into debt, and uh, the whole idea is to um, you know not. We don't feel we have to uh, have our name on page six of the New York mm-hmm. Post. I'd like to. I certainly would like to. Maybe if you went out to a dance club. Maybe if I <laughs> went out with a couple of uh, <laughs> young actresses. But then again, my wife of forty-two mm-hmm. years would cut yeah. my balls off, and uh, that's the other problem. I, I I was I was listening to uh, an interview with you earlier and and oh thank you yeah. thanks for doing some research absolutely <laughs> absolutely and you you had mentioned that uh, uh, you know that I think part of the strategy early on was sort of like taking um, I, I guess like the the, the the sort of part of the genesis of the um, Toxic Avenger was that everyone else had stopped making horror movies that horror movies weren't doing well and that's why you sort of decided to go into the business so that's I mean in a sense that's kind of a risky venture right there right well our slogan uh, was movies of the future for for 40 years that was Mm. the company's slogan on all our um, um, movies on our um, advertisements posters theatrical uh, theater cards yeah Movies of the future, and indeed, we did make movies of the future. How many people have, have imitated the Toxic Avenger? Uh, even the New York Times has said that RoboCop, uh, whoever made that movie, saw Toxic yeah. Avenger. I mean, it's constantly being uh, it clearly is a big influence. Yeah. Um, and and um, you know, nobody would touch a lot of our movies that we've made, but they, in the fullness of time, the public liked them. So, uh, movies of the future. But recently, we uh, and we did uh, and and. Part of our strategy, and I've written about it in my books, is to do what the pundits and the experts say not to do, or if 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 um, if the uh, experts at Variety or Hollywood Reporter, the who basically are house house organs for the big uh, conglomerates, if they say horror is dead, uh, that isn't uh, going to be true. Do the opposite, and you'll probably come out the other end in pretty good shape. So that's what Michael Hurst suggested when he saw that article, wherever he saw it. And that's kind of where Toxie began, except that we like comedy, so the Toxic Avenger isn't really, it's not scary, it's more satir- sat- satirical and uh, and more of a uh, Cuisinart of, of genres. But on the 40th year of Troma, Michael Hurst changed the, uh, the slogan of the company to uh, uh, 40 years of disrupting media. Hmm. And uh, we... Uh, we uh, after When we got uh, to 15 years and we were pretty well established and doing all right, we uh, decided we would try to empower more independent uh, 
souls to make movies and also try to uh, write more uh, about uh, issues that uh, concerned us. Uh, a lot of it, uh, you can read on my website. I have a fan site, uh, LloydKaufman.com, and uh, I do Lloyd's Roids and uh, written everything from my take on 9-11 to... Uh, Obama and the student loan crisis uh, and uh, things of that nature. And then we put out a lot of short uh, editorial type uh, videos uh, concerning uh, like the Oscar mm-hmm. or Oscars are white or not just that, but uh, you know, a lot of different political issues. So did it, did it take... So Michael Hers and I have yeah. been very much dedicated to trying to do whatever we can to push back at the... Uh, this conspiracy of elites, the labor elite, the labor leaders who are making millions of dollars while their constituency are eating dog food, the bureaucratic elite, where you have dynasties of uh, Congress people, Paul Tsongas is mm-hmm. Massachusetts, he was from his his kid is in the, in Congress. I mean, it's it's an elitism uh, of that uh, people feeding at the public trough trough uh, like never before. Bureaucratic elite, that is, and then the the corporate elite. And we all know what that is. Those three. Those three elites are sucking dry the little people of Tromaville of their economic and spiritual capital, uh, and um, that's a big theme that runs through everything we do at Troma, including all of the movies that that I've written and directed. Uh, they all have that basic theme. Uh, sometimes the little people of Tromaville need the Toxic Avenger to save them. Sometimes the little people of Tromaville need Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD who, who lives in the uh, on the waterfront of Tromaville. Sometimes the little people of Tromaville must save themselves yeah. as in uh, Return to Return to Newcomb High, uh, and, and, which also, by the way, is a big shout-out to the uh, LBGTQ uh, generation or movement. So the one through line is that they're always in some sort of peril. <laughs> There's, they always need saving from something. Yes, and um, the little people of Tromaville and Troma's War, they also save themselves. But uh, they, uh, uh, clearly Stan Lee, with whom I became a buddy uh, fifty year, more than 50 years mm-hmm. ago, we've written a script together. Clearly he's a huge influence on uh, uh, the Troma universe, uh, his Marvel universe. Uh, obviously, it's a lot more mainstream than ours, but but that idea, and also I hung out with Andy Warhol's gang in the when I was at college. I used to hang around the fringes of the uh, factory, yeah. and I used uh, we used some of Andy Warhol's people in our early movies, and his superstars. I've got uh, Joe Fleischaker, our six hundred pound uh, action hero. Uh, we we have similar people who are uh, unique and uh, exciting, but not really. Uh, Lee Strasberg type actors the same way that Andy Warhol uh, created his own stable of superstars. I, I I can't even imagine or you know around around that. So you're working with you're working with the factory and then you know. Well, the, I wasn't working with them. I yeah. just when I was a student at Yale, you I were became an on avid. the periphery, I, I guess. I love the fact yeah. that uh, Warhol. Uh, I liked his movies a lot. Yeah. And he broke the fourth wall a lot. Sure. And I'm a big Brecht fan, and uh, you know all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but you know, and then towards the late seventies, you know, there's a there's a Rocky poster downstairs. I meant Brecht, uh, the Brecht shampoo, of course, not not Bertolt Brecht. <laughs> okay. No, I'm joking. Uh, but, uh, the Breck shampoo's not bad. Is it? Yeah, I good, haven't uh, tried it. Yeah, you can see man, my hair is yeah. a beautiful shade of white. <laughs> What's left? Um, oh, I said white. Sorry. Good, uh, uh, that's a bad word. You can't say white. Uh, so, it's a non-black hair I have. So... Uh, so you were so and and then you know the the sort of towards the, the late seventies roll around you you did some work with um, 
Rocky and yeah, my school. I didn't want to go to film school. Yeah. In fact, I had a great example of film school recently. I was called to a very prestigious uh, university here uh, in New York to conduct a master class. Mm-hmm. Can I guess which one? Uh, sure. Does it have an N? An N? Yeah. Does it start with an N? No. 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 A no, C? No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I don't. It, 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 it was um, uh, 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 the students. Couldn't have been nicer, but when yep. it came to be quitting time, when the class was, it was a three-hour class, yep. so we all got there early to start setting up. This was a, the, the project I suggested would be, I'd get a, a band that I liked, and uh, we'd make a music video, and, uh, and we'd get all the props. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd get the special effects and teach them how to do it, teach the students, all that stuff. And um, the students showed up rather than come early. If I were one of them, I'd be coming early and uh, trying to meet uh, Lloyd Kaufman or uh, sure. maybe uh, some of the band. Sure. Uh, and uh, But instead they came, uh, some of them drifted in and uh, they sort of sat around. Uh, there were two There were two non-males who were kind of active. And, uh, and then the guy on camera, the student on camera at uh, 4 o'clock, he, he said, uh, I got to go. I've got things to do. <laughs> Like making a movie wasn't yeah. wasn't a thing to do. Yeah, a film student has so much to they, do. They all left. They all left. It's a chore. Film yeah. school makes movie making yeah. into a chore. Yeah. Meanwhile, the trauma team. Um, the, there were three of the trauma team who were there who were enterprise observers, basically unpaid volunteers. Yeah. We all stayed till eleven at night to uh, keep going. The band was there. Uh, the, uh, the two or three of our employees were there. We all loved it. We were having a great time, and the the uh, professor was there. And so so I think film school may you know that was pretty dramatic i never i've always been uh, agnostic about film school but suddenly i'm looking at it gee do these kids really feel and i remember going out and doing a class at usc where the the um, the kid who uh, came out of the to the parking lot clearly didn't want to show me where my car was he had no interest in trauma you know maybe if george lucas had had if he had shown george lucas to his parking space it might have been more interesting didn't have a word to say uh, I did my master class. Nobody, the only ones who asked questions were the foreigners, if I remember correctly. Maybe, maybe a non-male or so. But uh, they, they, I think film school may be making um, filmmaking into a chore of some sort of. Uh, uh, so at any rate, uh, but I'm I'm agnostic about film school. My film school was uh, after Yale, and I had 13 years of Trinity School, which was all boys. I had four years of Yale, which was all boys in my day. Uh, well, supposedly all boys, and um, uh, and then uh, I didn't want to go back to school. So my school was attaching myself to talented directors. Uh, Franklin Schaffner, I spent some time. I interviewed him for films in review. Uh, Preminger and I, I spent some time with Preminger. Uh, um, I, I tried to get on one of his movies, but the Directors Guild stopped me there, from what I understood. Uh, and Preminger was too chicken to uh, launch a... Uh, I wanted to sue him. Sue the, I wanted to sue the union for being a closed shop, but Preminger didn't care to go along with that. And I don't blame him. And um, and then uh, I met John G. Avelson, uh, and I was sent, uh, luckily got sent to the set of uh, Rocky. And uh, <laughs> the first day I was there, I saw what he was, I saw the shot he was setting up. I said, that guy's talented. I'm hmm. going to uh, stick to him. And I did. And he taught me a hell of a lot. And then uh, I worked on Saturday Night Fever, uh, which was Avelson to begin, and then John Badham, who also happens to be a great director, and I learned a lot from him. And uh, so that was sort of my film school. So what, what does a director teach you on the set? What, what does somebody like Stallone teach you if you're just well, sort of well, sticking around? Well, I, I, Stallone was uh, an actor on Rocky, and yeah. I didn't – I mean, I was – 
there with yeah. him. Uh, but he uh, he had his heart set on Philadelphia, and uh, we arranged all the Philadelphia uh, nuts and bolts for Rocky. Where the Troma team brought in uh, the crew from Cry Uncle, non-union, to shoot all the all the Philadelphia yeah. part. The um, the, uh, the steps. The bosses the... didn't have money. Yeah. They didn't have enough money to bring the union crew and all the paraphernalia to Philadelphia. So uh, Stallone and Avelson uh, had their heart set on Philadelphia, and they convinced the uh, the producers to uh, hire me to set it up, set up the nuts and bolts, and you know to be like a production manager, yeah. a line producer. And uh, Michael Hers and his wife were syncing up the dailies on our uh, upright movieola machines in the trauma editing rooms, and and uh, just that idea that you don't have to accept what the you can you can get what you want even with Chardoff Winkler, two biggest producers in MGM history. Uh, uh, so that was a big lesson that I learned from Stallone and Avelson. Also, um, Avelson uh, taught me a lot about shooting on location and uh, how the location can become a character in the movie, mm. not just, uh, uh, you know, that how could you shoot Rocky in a... Yeah. I mean, he and I, we worked on... I worked on Joe, which was a terrific movie that Avelson directed, uh, and then I worked on uh, Cry Uncle, uh, I was, uh, and I had, a, I had a little piece of it. Uh, I found an investor... So I was in. I learned a lot there because I was on the inside of Cry Uncle, and I got to see a little bit more about how it was produced. But Avelson directed that and made uh, turned a um, kind of a crappy, pulpy detective, sexy novel into a hilarious uh, satire of uh, film noir. You know, Cry Cry Uncle, Cry Terror, Cry Cry Uncle. Uh, it's a very funny movie. And it's terrific. Stroma distributes it. Um, which means, unfortunately, it's had a very small audience. But it's a wonderful film, and uh, and uh, so so there's a lot it, one can learn from the uh, from both the mistakes and the um, the great things. Evelson made mistakes along the way too, and I was there when he got canned from uh, Saturday Night Fever. Mm. Um, uh, he shouldn't have been. He would have been. Uh, but uh, they brought the right guy in, uh, Adam, who equally as talented in a different way to. Uh, to uh, make the movie. And, uh, you know, Avelson, I, I actually sent a telegram to Stigwood. You know, I was a lowly uh, location executive yeah. or something, and uh, I sent Stigwood, uh, the boss, the high, high, the big, big, big boss, BG's manager and producer, huh. uh, uh, the Saturday, Mr. Saturday Night. I sent him a telegram telling him he, he has to meet with him. It's urgent, urgent. <laughs> and then uh, when I met with him, I told him that he shouldn't be firing Avelson, that... Uh, you know, big mistake, and uh, he didn't fire me, but uh, he was definitely he was very polite. So, but he didn't listen to me, obviously. So when 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 time came when he when he sat down and actually started your your own film, how much experience did you have at that point when you were directing your first? Well, major? I made movie. I made a uh, my roommate at Yale, mm. uh, who actually is the reason I well, freshman year I was going to be a social worker or a teacher. I was going to. You know, it was the 60s when I went to Yale as a freshman. I was going to... You're going to change the world. Yeah, make yeah. the world a better place. Yeah. It was all about peace and uh, peace yeah. and love. And I was going to teach uh, people with hooks for hands how to finger paint. Mm -hmm. you know, and teach bums how to paint happy faces on beads and string the beads together. But uh, God put me in a room with Robert Edelstein. Uh, our beds were very close together, too. It was a very small bedroom. Uh, we literally, our beds were head to toe. So at night, I'd inhale his... Uh, Gadar stinking feet and uh, I, uh, the trauma, the aroma du trauma was born. And, uh, that was the genesis of the yeah, company. Yeah, that was for sure. And Apple, and uh, Robert made a uh, he bought a Bolex. Uh, Bolex is not a, a 
social disease. It's yeah. a uh, camera, camera, a wind-up yeah. camera, a wonderful camera. And he made uh, Rappuccini, which was a 16-millimeter uh, feature-length version of Rappuccini's daughter, the uh, Hawthorne short story. So then I made a feature-length film the next year called The Girl Who Returned. I bought a Bolex, uh, worked at the gas station. And uh, actually, I took a year off and went to Africa. But after I got back from Chad, I bought a Bolex and made The Girl Who Returned, which was a feature-length black-and-white uh, unwatchable movie that the trauma team has very kindly put up on lines to embarrass me. But Michael Hers and his wife, who uh, uh, Michael went to Yale, and they are in uh, The Girl Who Returned. They and uh, Susie Mailer, Norman Mailer's daughter, are about the only... The only good moments in the movie, I think. But but you know you you had mentioned earlier that uh, obviously this sort of digital revolution has has meant that you know nobody, I guess, has an excuse not to go out there and make something creative. But it's even at that point, it seemed like you felt like you didn't have an excuse not to just go for it. Well, it's yin and yang now. Today, it's it's you know again anyone can make a movie, yeah. but. Um, how do you live off your movies? Yeah. So uh, you know the good news is you can make your own damn movie that. The, and the bad news is you, you're probably not going to make a lot of money. And but, you, but you weren't hung up on the, you know, on the idea that it wouldn't be a perfect movie or that, it, you know, you just sort of went ahead and, and did yeah, it. it Oliver like. Stone and I grew up together from hmm. second grade on. And um, we both had the mentality that nothing could kill us, that we could do anything. It was pretty interesting. Our parents were best friends. We went we went to uh, school together. Hmm. And uh, and uh, when uh, and, and he uh, at Yale was uh, writing a shitty novel, and I was making movies, and he kind of drifted. But we both had this idea. We were very close, and we both had this idea that we were impervious to anything, that we could do anything. Yeah. Which is a credit to our um, family, to our parents, who were basically uh, very uh, very uh, progressive. Yeah. They say they were jet setters, and certainly uh, very. Uh, uh, not exactly conservative. Kind and of early proto-hippies. Well, no, they were more... Um, um, New, New Deal Democrats? No, they were more... Um, I don't know how to say it, but uh, they were wild, uh, yeah. very wild. So I know he kind of... Been, uh, at least my parents did not try to... They certainly didn't put any... Uh, they yeah. didn't try to clip my wings about anything. Yeah. And I think Oliver's parents were even more uh, open. So so uh, we uh, he went to Vietnam. He volunteered to go to Vietnam. He he's a hero. He's a soldier. He's a hero. He went into the infantry. <laughs> I was he was right wing. He was very right wing. Yeah. I was very left wing. So the last thing I was going to do was get my ass shot off in Vietnam. So I went to Chad and uh, uh, um, um, worked there and helped the. I uh, went in the bush and helped people there. And um, but the idea was when you're 19, you don't look at the other yeah. side. You don't think you're going to die in Vietnam. You don't think you're going to get uh, syphilis in Africa and die of some horrible disease or that somebody's going to kill you there. You don't think about it. You know, I had no electricity, no phones, no nothing uh, in uh, Chad. You know, it was like Africa you see in the old movies, mud huts and people running around naked, and, which was pretty cool. Um, so, um, but you don't think of you don't think of it, and uh, so was to start a movie studio. Well, sure, why not? You know, uh, yeah, how can we lose? Yeah. <laughs> you know, make a low look. You make a movie for a hundred thousand dollars, like Sugar Cookies was a hundred and fifty thousand, I think, our first thirty-five millimeter movie. How can we lose? You know, and there's two thousand movie theaters. If we get, you know, if we get into five hundred movie theaters, and each movie theater gives us. $250, that's going to be so much money. And that, you know, uh, whatever. I remember figuring this stuff in my head and figuring, we cannot lose. And um, sure enough, we raised the money and uh, and uh, mainly through Oliver and my friends. 
and um, and uh, we lose every penny of it pretty much. No, we didn't lose it. No, sugar cookies probably ended up breaking even, but but then we made another one where we lost everything. We made a movie in Israel, which was the worst movie ever made. And um, we listened to people. That was the biggest problem. We were young and we listened to people. But you don't realize, you know, start a movie studio, go and compete with MGM. Uh, well, why not? This is America. And never point, and, and, and no point did it occur to you to maybe get back into the social work thing because the movie thing wasn't quite working out? No, 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 no. Yeah. I, I'm a movie nut. I mean, yeah. I'm, 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 we're not making any money now. We're, 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 Troma's, we've got no revenue. We're... We're here because our fans are. In yeah. fact, our fans finance post production on Return to Nukemai. Huh. This is the last hurrah of Lloyd Kaufman. You know, uh, um, the, the 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 fans put up money to help us make uh, Return to Nukemai on Kickstarter. But that's that's how things are kind We've of done no now. Money. I mean, We're but that's dead. not. But We're people fucked up. Here. Crowdfunding is. Almost legitimize at this well, point, but right? Our fans are, are we, yeah. again. We're a small. We're not uh, Spike Lee. He's got an eighteen million dollar yeah. mansion. Uh, his fans put up three million bucks. Uh, he had. He uh, only has an eighteen million dollar home. Uh, uh, our, I don't quite come up to that level. You know, we're. Uh, I'm a uh, very narrow cast uh, underground film producer, and our fans. Uh, we don't have the the number yeah. of uh, or the wealth that uh, his fans or that guy from New Jersey. Uh, Kevin Smith? Uh, not Kevin Smith. Um, the other guy. Who's the other guy uh, exactly. who made that boring New Jersey movie? Uh, had the word Jersey in it. At uh, any rate, he went out and I think he may have been on Scrubs too, perhaps. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, he, yeah, yeah, those guys yeah. have a... They Garden have, State. They have rich friends and yeah. rich fans. Yeah. We don't, so... Um, yeah. are, are you are you being serious, though, when you say that this this is your last hurrah? Do you, do you feel don't like you that? I think? I'm 70 I, years I old. I don't know. I mean, you know, you've, you've, uh, you've beaten the odds in the past before, right? Um, I mean... There you go, Michael Hurst says. Does he say? Does he say that every 40. ten years or so? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens. <laughs> well, uh, actually, you're the one who sounds like you might be dying, though. So I don't. Know. That's a good point, though. Um, uh, yeah, it is a good. point. I remember Poultry Guys, Night yeah. of the Chicken Dead, which deals with chickens and zombie Indian chickens. Uh, I thought that uh, my swan song was going to be a movie about chickens, but indeed we went on to make some more movies. So, uh, but it's it's really tough. So I, I I'm hoping we'll get to somehow get to Toxic Avenger Part Five together. And of course, there's always the big hundred billion dollar remake that mm-hmm. Akiva Goldsman and uh, uh, Charlie Corwin and uh, Richard Saperstein are uh, producing out in California. The maybe that'll throw some uh, big uh, bucks our way, and we can make uh, some more movies. Who knows? Has that has interest through projects like that? And you know, as, as you mentioned, all these directors, you've, you've made a few cameos yourself. As as your kind of acolytes are having success, has that has that helped the company at all? Sure, because uh, I got more. I, I, I mean, this is why I'm bitter. I got more <laughs> positive attention from two seconds mm. in uh, of playing uncredited yeah. prisoner. Number two. Also, I don't like the idea of being number two, if you know what I mean. Uh, I got more attention and positive reinforcement from the lousy. I was in a restaurant. I was in a restaurant in New York City. Uh, 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 Vaudor, a French restaurant, very Tony. Uh, I didn't pick up the check, of course. Uh, But the woman at the next table recognized me from the fucking Guardians of the Galaxy. Two seconds. She didn't know who I was, but she said, weren't you in Guardians of the Galaxy? So, so I get more from two seconds of that than fifty years of of um, uh, 
all that we've done, all the famous people who've come out of our studio, all the movies we've made independently, all the taxes we've paid to New York City, all the uh, payroll taxes, all the uh, work we've done to help uh, help other filmmakers, all that. Troma Dance Film Festival. It's our 17th year of the Troma Dance Film Festival, an all-free uh, film festival. Nothing, nothing about all that stuff. It's all about the two seconds and Guardians of the Galaxy. So you're, you're, that's nice. You're you're bitter. I I, I get that. Sure. But but you've uh, you know I mean you've you've been able to make your the movies that you wanted to make your entire life. There must you must be happy. At the, the some problem, part of you must be happy. The problem is that I believe these are great movies. Yeah, I believe that. That doesn't sound like a problem. The problem is that yeah. nobody knows it. Yeah, you know, nobody. How how can they? Sure. How can they uh, know it when the uh, Media is forty percent of the media controlled by uh, an eighty-year-old and a ninety-two-year-old drooling uh, piece of uh, beef jerky. Uh, um, uh, how are you going to? How is? How are our movies going to be there? Unless we want to totally capitulate and let somebody run our lives, I suppose. Uh, you know. Yeah, I mean it's all it's all it, it's all relative though. I mean when you're obviously when you're comparing yourself to a Marvel movie, it's very small by comparison. But you have a sizable very passionate audience and there's there's something to, to be said for that at the well, end of the, the day people who work here say that as soon as i get hit by a bus or jump into the subway tracks absolutely get squashed then suddenly yeah, they'll be absolutely. oh he was a genius yeah. lloyd he was such a great guy and he did so much for for art and he did so much a big left such a big footprint and all that but i i <laughs> Well, you know, you've got you've got the props, you've got the means to fake your death. So there's a, the, yeah. the New York Times will still manage to, you know, yeah. promote uh, some, you know, be a little bit happy you get to come to the office and do and and make the movies that you want to make. Sure. Oh, yeah. hey, Michael Hers and I have been quite fortunate. I mean, I don't know that you could uh, start a trauma today. Yeah. The the playing field is used to be unfair, but you could climb up it. Now the playing field is uh, perpendicular. It's like a s- greased-up stripper's pole. You can't, you cannot possibly climb it. It's impossible. It's a, uh, it. You have to if you want any kind of uh, recognition or an Oscar or hookers or mansion. You've got to go and uh, go where the projects are green lit and go uh, become a, an ally with one of the vassals of uh, the big mm. conglomerates. You can't do it any other way. There you go. That was Lloyd Kaufman. I I don't know what I could possibly add to that conversation. This is the part where I usually come in and, and, and give you guys a little bit of context or tell you something interesting or, or wrap things up. But uh, I, I feel like that conversation probably probably speaks for itself it, it was a lot of fun Lloyd is somebody that um, I have been wanting to talk to for some time now for whatever reason it just hadn't worked out over the years but I'm really glad that I finally had the opportunity to do that and Tromaville is actually located surprisingly close to, to my home um, it's also in Queens it's it's in Long Island City not, not, the, not the cool part of Long Island City where all the, the, the art galleries and, and art Artisanal speakeasies are popping up, but this still sort of in, in industrial area down down by the water. Uh, it's a bit of a walk. It was a much further walk than I was anticipating, but if you do have the opportunity to go out there, I, I highly recommend it. I got a little bit of uh, a tour from one of their staff members while uh, Lloyd was, was on a, a business call with a very very important client. Um, 
really, really amazing place. They've really done some 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 incredible stuff over the years, and I mean, just talk about a a group of people who have have completely stuck to their guns in spite of everything. Uh, really, really enjoyed talking with Lloyd. So thanks so much to him for for taking the time to do that. Uh, please check out Trauma's site. Uh, check them out on on YouTube. They've got a huge number of maybe like all of the films or a large a large chunk of the films that they've ever made are up for free on YouTube right now. So definitely check those out. Dig deep into the back catalog, explore, find some awesome new stuff. Um, thanks so much to him. Thanks so much to everybody at Troma. Uh, thanks to Brian as always for editing this thing together. Thanks to everybody who has helped out on the Patreon. Uh, if you do like the show, if you have been listening, please consider supporting us. Any any amount will help. It will it will, will help us keep going. As I said at the top of the show, um, don't really have a, uh, a super steady source of income at the moment. We are not running ads on the show. Uh, certainly, if we can get some money coming in through Patreon, we won't have to run ads. Um, and we, we won't have to seriously consider shutting the show down. So it's it's a bit of a win-win. Uh, if you've got any feedback, it's rylcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Tumblr. That's rylcast.tumblr.com. That is the first and best place to get all of your R-I-Y-L-related information. Uh, like us on Facebook. I think that's about all I got. Uh, lots of good shows lined up. I just did three really awesome interviews this weekend that, that I can't wait to bring to you. So uh, so stick around because we will be back just about this time next week with another episode of R.I.Y.L.